On this week's episode, we welcome Eric Pratt, Bruce Fine, and Leon Spears. Eric Pratt is the Senior Vice President for Good Owners of America. Of course, Bruce Fine is a philosopher with Fine and Duvall. And Leon Spears is President Owner of the DC Concealed Carry. And I'm going to also add, Leon Spears is the first DC resident to qualify for Conceal and Carry. To me, that is, uh, that is, he paved the way for those that carry in the District of Columbia. I want you to talk about the importance of the New York Gun Association versus Bruin um, that the Supreme Court heard in November of 2021, and a decision should be coming down soon. What that means for New York and the rest of the country, uh, Mr. Spears? Bruin is going to be critical because uh, the, the facts of matter are that most states don't have um, a restriction for May issue, but there are some states that are essentially no issue. New Jersey, New York, California, uh, Hawaii, they don't issue concealed carry permits. Even if they fall within the criteria of getting a concealed carry permit, they just do not issue concealed carry permits and people need to have what's called a may issue um, revoked so shall issue shall stand and if you fall by the requirements then the jurisdictional um, authorities need to um, issue a concealed carry permit no matter what. Bruce Fine? Uh, I think that given and this is not the first time New York has got to the Supreme Court the last time they escaped a ruling because they, they knew they were going to lose and revise their decisions. But I think if you examine the current makeup of the court, um, it's likely to strike down the New York law. But the way in which the court has ruled in general in this area is very narrow and case-by-case case specific. I very much doubt whether they'll try to issue a broad ruling saying in general um, almost any regulation of, uh, of handguns or rifles is unconstitutional. Um, this is Justice Scalia's opinion in the Heller case, which was the flagship case in 2009, saying that his decision uh, was not intended to strike down reasonable regulations. So I don't think that the ruling will have nationwide impact. It will be New York specific and will keep the debate that we're now having in the aftermath of Vivaldi in, in play. You know, um, Eric Pratt, uh, and and forgive me for not being sensitive enough and politically correct, I did not understand why everybody wanted to boycott the NRA. I just did not get it. Well, how would the NRA further impact what happened in Texas, in Buffalo, and now in Tesla? I just don't get it. I mean, I, I, I just don't. I mean, and then you had the president stated that nine millimeter caliber guns should not be banned, not realize that it's the most popular caliber in the country, and you would ban most of the guns, which he clearly didn't understand his gun language, which is why he backtracked. Have we become so overly sensitive about what's going on in this country? And, and, and it is a nightmare. It's horrifying what is happening uh, with these massacres across the country. But it seems to me it would be more of an argument that law enforcement cannot do their job alone, Eric, and you need responsible, well-trained citizens who are who qualify conceal and carry, who can at least give another chance, another alternative to protecting the lives of innocent Americans. Eric? 
You know, Armstrong, you are absolutely correct. We have to stop making our schools soft targets. You know, the Border Patrol agent who rescued several children from the school in Uvalde, he believes that teachers should be armed. And according to polling, 81% of cops agree with him and with good reason. Did you know that no school has ever had a mass shooting where there were armed teachers and staff? There are thousands of schools across 20 states where teachers are armed and there's not been an attempted mass shooting in any of them. And that makes perfect sense because many mass shooters have indicated by what they've said to others or by what they've written in their manifestos that they specifically sought out places that didn't have security or they targeted places where they knew people were disarmed. Armstrong, I could give you examples from the recent Buffalo shooter or the Aurora Theater and Charleston Church Killers or the Pulse nightclub shooter. They all indicated that they were steering clear of places where there were armed people. So it's no wonder that 94% of the mass shootings in this country, public mass shootings, occur in gun-free zones. I mean, we have to let that sink in. 94%, these killers are choosing these areas 94% of the time. They choose places where they'll be the only ones with, with guns. They're not selecting uh, police stations where bullets are gonna be flying back at them. You know, Leah, I do, you know, I grew up with guns since I was a boy, two or three years old. I mean, I, my brothers and sisters, we all have firearms legally. I'm like Leon, one of the few people in the district that has concealed and carry. And just because you have a firearm doesn't mean you're going to be able to defend and protect your life. We saw that with the law enforcement officer in Buffalo, New York, where he could not penetrate the clothing um, that that demon was wearing. But still, uh, Leon, it seems as though any time this happens, it ramps it up where it makes guns the enemy. And, and, and criminals who listen to this must be encouraged because they're gonna find a way to get a firearm and keep that firearm no matter what the law is because they have no respect for the law or the rule of law. How do we not make guns the issues and deal with this thing called mental illness and the fact that these people put manifestos on the internet and, and these social media companies should notify law enforcement right away. The guns, it seems to always end up being the thing that's demonized. I think it's all rewarded right back to training. Uh, if, you, if you train, then you train hard, you train well, then the gun is not the boogeyman. And then uh, most people that uh, feel empowered after they get trained, uh, they understand that they need to respect firearms. And most of the time, people don't understand until it sadly happens to them that the police are always minutes behind and they're always cleaning up the act. Um, and so law enforcement officers want people to be armed um, that deserve to be armed. Um, so if you're a qualified person, then sure enough, you should be trained well and you should practice often and you should carry a firearm or be able to at least defend yourself in your home. Um, but most of the time, uh, a lot of these people do not have training and then they, they just read what's on the internet or you know they have a, a family member that might have been um, in a situation that was very detrimental and then they just run with that. Um, so they don't engage in, in uh, self-understanding self of empowerment with, with firearms. You know, Bruce, um, Boudin is uh, seeking re-election uh, as the DA in San Francisco, California. I think everyone has come to the conclusion that he's gonna be ousted. 
like many other DAs that ran as progressives, this issue of bail being soft on crime, Mr. Nina putting these criminals back out on the street, they're committing the same crime, sometimes committing homicide. Has the pendulum swung again full circle? Well, I don't know whether it's full circle. It certainly swung back. You know, no one's running on defund the police anymore, uh, even in the jurisdictions that were most avant-garde, if you will. Uh, and it wasn't just limited to the gun or law enforcement. The, the, the school board out in San Francisco also got a licking because they were trying to engage in indoctrination, uh, and they elected new panels there. So I do think that, uh, you know, you can't get away from human nature. This idea that by exhortation we can all engender you know, angelic DNA genes isn't going to work. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there are things that we don't know about the species, and people can be evil. And if you don't have deterrence and someone who's going to uh, detain them and arrest them and imprison them, crime will spiral. One of the things that we do know is that a huge disproportionate amount of crime is considered by a tiny, tiny percentage of the entire criminal population. They commit you know, hundreds of crimes, even thousands. Uh, and those are the people that we can't afford to let out to continue to prey on the community. But I want to go back to one of the points you made about why is the guns the centerpiece of the conversation. It's because it's much more difficult to go back to the culture and change people's self-image, how they think, how they, in, you know, how they raise children. That's a far more difficult thing. It's easy to just grasp onto what you think is an elixir and you, you pass the law and suddenly you've cured the evil. I mean, it reminds me of prohibition. Oh, all the prohibitions think, okay, we ban alcohol, then men aren't going to be drunk anymore, they won't beat their wives. That didn't really happen that way. Because unless you change the underlying culture, the, the law becomes uh, honored in the breach rather than the observance, and that's what we've not gotten to here. And with regard to this idea that mental illness is the real source, I think the studies show that within the mentally ill population, they're less likely to commit a crime of violence than people who aren't mentally ill. I'm not saying that we should give mentally ill people firearms. Uh, but they're not the, the kernel of the problem. Uh, Eric Pratt, uh, you know, I'm very sensitive to the other side who has fear of guns. They blame guns. You know, Chicago has some of the toughest and most restrictive gun laws in America, and yet it has some of the highest crime and homicide rate. Is there a way to bring both sides together to find common ground? You know, the House is now trying to pass legislation, knowing it's just for theater, it's not going anywhere, it will never pass the Senate, it will never become law. But is there anything that we can do that has not been done? Armstrong, it's going to be really hard to find common ground. You know, when I spoke earlier, I mentioned we, we need to have, you know, 81% of cops support having teachers and armed staff, those who are willing. The Democrats don't want to do that. Uh, at the national level, in fact, uh, Senator Chris Murphy, who's pushing gun control right now, uh, just two years ago, uh, during the whole defund the police craze, he was saying he was pushing legislation in the Senate to get even school, armed school resource officers out of the schools. See, this is where wokeism is killing people. They, they think that even having police in our schools is a bad look, that having armed you know, police, even though they're good guys with guns, they think that's a bad look and they want to get rid of that. Well, that creates a, you know, that makes every school a soft target. And, and this is the problem that we're facing. You know, one thing that's not getting a lot of attention is the very day after that very tragic school shooting in Texas, in West Virginia, 
there was a good gal with a gun who used her concealed carry handgun to save the lives of 40 people. A, a guy showed up at a graduation party with an AR-15. He started shooting. He was going to gun people down. She pulled out her 9-millimeter, the one that uh, the president wants to ban. She pulled out her 9-millimeter Glock, shot back, killing him. That ended the threat. Imagine if there had been it, it, one of the thousands of schools in our country that have armed teachers, imagine if one of them were, was at that school in Texas. Seventy percent of the schools, sadly, in Texas are not participating in the program where uh, teachers can be armed. Thirty percent do. Seventy percent do, do not. Uvalde School, sadly, was not one of those. Um, Leon, you have the final word on this subject. I think that people should be armed. And it's just like, uh, do you wear your seatbelt because it's against the law if you don't? Or do you wear the seatbelt because it's safe? Um, you know, people made arguments in the 50s and the 60s that seatbelts will, you know, wrinkle your clothes and, and harm you. And um, it's just the mindset. Um, Eric is correct. And you, you just need to infiltrate people's mindset to see training and education is paramount. And then once you, once you empower people, then they understand, okay, guns are not that bad. You just need to uh, be respectful and then re just don't infringe on others. But um, you just want to have it and then not need it. Um, so I just um, am just so annoyed by the fact that people are just infringing on others to say that they should not be able to carry or defend themselves when that's what we're, we're founded on um, as a Second Amendment um, uh, country. So I, I just have no idea what's going to go happen in the future in regard to concealed carry. I hope Bruin um, is ruled favorably and then may issue. And again, to your other, your other uh, guest um, in studio, I really believe that uh, sensitive places um, are still sensitive. There are, there are, there. You know, the Second Amendment is not absolute, as the late Justice Scalia had actually said. So I understand that there are sensitive places where your guns should not be, but again, train law enforcement officers, resource officers. They're deterrents, and so um, the very, very few deranged people, those, those second guess, um, their deranged actions. If you have qualified people in uh, places that our children are. You know, uh, things just have to change. And I think um, well-trained people and educated um, people are, will be empowered and will we'll see the lighter day. Well, I want to thank all of you for joining us. Thank you for joining us on another episode 